You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. going on guys welcome to another episode of pure pleasure with dewey halpas i am dewey your host with the most bringing you more great content week after week this week we have the mighty winston mccall from parkway drive all the way down from australia i'm sure you guys know who he is know of the band we've had i've had quite a bit of uh recent history with australia lately because uh i started a new podcast with my friend christina um, she does the void with Christina. This podcast is called Occupy the Void, uh, and she's from Australia. So, uh, which I probably already mentioned, but uh, we focus on mental health um, and everything else that comes up with it. Um, it's something that's interesting because I've never really gone into a podcast with an agenda per se, where there's like a theme or a, a subject that we're trying to tackle. It's always just kind of up in the air. So it's definitely a a different side of things and a different way of doing things, which I'm really stoked on. So uh, you can check that out, Occupy the Void. It's on socials. Um, I believe it's on YouTube, uh, but you can subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, Just uh, Occupy the Void pod on socials and check it out. We've had Nate Newton from Converge, uh, Richie Hardcore. Um, We got a a bunch of stuff coming up, so... Uh, definitely check that out. Anyways, back to today's episode with Winston McCall. That's why I was mentioning the Australia thing, because uh, a lot of people we've had on uh, the other program have been from Australia and then uh, speaking with Christina all the time from Australia. Anyway, uh, Winston was great. Uh, a fantastic band, fantastic dude with an awesome story. And uh, coming up from a small town in Australia, just like I did in Alaska, we talk a lot about growing up in that uh, 
DIY ethic. And uh, it was really interesting because I'd never met Winston before. And so I was stoked to do this. And it was really, really good. So hopefully you guys enjoy this chat. Let's get some business out of the way and we'll jump right in. So peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website. Peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is the email if you want to get in touch with me with guest ideas or questions. Uh, we also have the premium service, which is peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm. There you get the old videos of the episodes. You also get the past cast and the ad-free feed. We also have the Facebook group, the pod, or excuse me, the Peer Pleasure Podcast Inner Circle, where you can find out who's coming on. Sometimes we can ask questions uh, of guests coming up. We've got some really, really big stuff coming, so definitely uh, keep your ear to the ground on that. Um, yeah, and we're on YouTube. Uh, you can check us out there as well. Uh, if you can give us a rating or a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, that would also be fantastic. And like I said earlier, uh, check out the new podcast, Occupy the Void, with Christina Rowett and myself talking mental health uh, with some of your favorite musicians and creatives. This one isn't going to be just musicians. It's going to be people all over the map just discussing uh, mental health. So, uh, yeah, let's get into this one, guys. This one was a good one. I'm stoked for you guys to hear it. Here we are, Winston McCall from Parkway Drive. What's up, Winston? How you doing? Doing Good. all right. How are you? <laughs> doing all right. Doing all right. I have to retreat to the other side of the house because there's a building site on the other side of the street. <laughs> Didn't want to be recording, so yeah. <laughs> nice. I think people be used to it, but that's what I do for, for work now that I don't tour anymore is I'm in construction, so I'm around it all uh, day okay. long. I create it. I am in it. <laughs> <laughs> excuse me <clears throat> um anyways thank you for doing this man this is this is awesome oh, thanks, um, thanks for having me i'm i'm stoked to do this i was actually just watching uh right before this i don't know how it came up on my youtube feed but i guess metallica is doing like some like four night stint on jimmy kimmel live have you watched that yeah. show no I d like we don't really get that stuff in australia to be honest unless you like stream it do something else it's not actually really a thing too much but i have seen that they're doing that and it's pretty cool it's pretty rad they still sound like a club band yeah dude being yeah. like the biggest band in the world they still sound like they're playing clubs which is kind of yeah. cool <laughs> oh man it's, it's amazing considering how long they've been doing it for it's it's a really cool legacy yeah it's wild i was just blown away by that i was just, i literally had just stopped it and i was like oh shit here we go bam right in <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it awesome. was uh what was it? Um, 
Master of Puppets. I'm sure they'll play Enter Sandman tomorrow. They're doing like four nights. Yeah. So I'm guessing it has to be the number one metal song in the world. Uh, Possibly. I, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if they did something different, to be honest. They seem to be pretty good at like, I mean, the, the Master of Puppets they did was like the eight minute version. So yeah. it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Play something random that really wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> play something completely brand new. It just just mess with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Man, uh how are things going, man? How's how's Australia? Like are you guys so we're heading into spring summer. You guys are heading the other direction, autumn. right? Yeah, autumn winter. It's really nice. This is like a really nice time of year here. It's my favorite time of year to be in the country, which is great. And um we're kinda like I think we've got two more weeks and then we head off to South America for a few dates with Lamb of God, which is awesome. Holy and we've just not first in Australia, which is awesome. So I don't know, just in between two really cool things at the moment. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. badass, dude. That's a good place to be. Lamb of God in South yeah. America. That's going to be wild. Yeah. I haven't been there in a long time as well. So it's sweet. We're playing a, a festival um over there um and then yeah a couple of dates with lamb of god which is going to be really fun so yeah, yeah it's just like a week trip as well which is a really neat way of touring like no grind just fly in and go skits for a few days and then go home <laughs> yeah dude that's Culture the way to shop. be yeah. that's the way to be man that's uh i'm curious like like bands from america they're always like either bigger or smaller in other countries so like a band that's maybe in the U.S. is isn't necessarily huge, but they'll go to Europe and play arenas and like vice versa. But bands from Australia, it seems to me like kind of hit the same everywhere. Like it, it doesn't have that like um, what's the word I'm looking for for this? Like bands from Australia seem to hit in different parts of the world a lot more close in numbers than the huge jump between like a, a U.S. band or a European band you know, yeah. coming this way. Yeah. Why is that, man? Like, yeah. I, I'm curious because you're living it. <laughs> I've got, a, I've got a, th I've got a theory on it like, because only it's only true to a certain degree. Essentially we're the only heavy, like we're the, we're the biggest metal band to come out of this country. Yeah. Like, and there's no one before us that has done that. Like if you discount ACDC, which I do because they're a rock band. Yeah. No established like legacy acts in terms of, of metal music. So we're the only band that has kind of made it to the arena status kind of anywhere. The the rest of the bands that have come out of Australia, uh, they're all incredible, but they're all kind of um, have yet to be able to push through to that next thing. So they're still evolving and that's a much more of a constant where they are hitting the same numbers everywhere else, like in the, in the same, in the same, it's like the same push worldwide. Whereas we've been in this, because I think we're the forerunners of like that, um, that push, I guess, um, out of Australia, it is a little bit like we've been playing catch up over the years in terms of like, Australia was the biggest thing because we were home and then Europe all of a sudden took over from that. And the States has always been kind of behind because it's like completely different market in general. Um, and then it's all slowly been evening out a little bit, but the thing with every other band other than, uh, than us is it's been constant forward evolution at an equal rate because everyone like there seems to be a spotlight turned to Australia over the last couple of years, which definitely identifies Australian bands with quality. And I think that's, 100% true. And I think the more that they play everywhere, the more it just kind of surges, which is a really wonderful thing. Like mm -hmm. it's, I have no doubt that they're all going to be following through to the same places that we are, but it's, um, 
but it is one of those things where I think there's a lot more uniformity in where it's coming from. And I think it's probably due to the, the global nature of the way music is actually just accepted research listened to now. Like it used to be a lot more, I think there's a, there's a lot more when we're talking about fragmentation of the, of the audience size and stuff like that in terms of continental stuff, you're talking a lot about mainly like, yeah, bands that have established themselves as a, I don't know. You got to you got to have been around for a while to be a an arena sized band mm-hmm. within this industry. Stop! Like no one's just coming out and going debut album arenas. Like <laughs> the days of <laughs> the days of that stuff is done. Like it's it's bands that have established themselves at that point, or they've they've worked there. Yeah, basically they've just established themselves at that point. That's yeah. the thing. And, and at that point in time, like some places haven't made it, some places have. So yeah, it's interesting. And you've got God. I'm going into like a hole. Like dissertation here this but, is good uh, this is what this is about dude this is this yeah, is I it if you consider like mainland europe uk and north america just as three the probably the three massive primary music markets like within the western english speaking world are actually quite separate in terms of what influences them mm-hmm. america is like north america is the center for it there's that's like where everything seems to be born in terms of western culture and the way music's taken and received and put out there. But the way the hype and everything revolves around different scenes and the culture around it is actually quite different. Mm-hmm. So you do have these weird situations where like a band in America can be an arena sized band and then go and then play to a thousand people, mm-hmm. which is a trip and vice versa where they're like, they played to 300 people in America and they go and headline Brixton to 5,000 people. <laughs> it's a really, it's, it's very interesting. To happen, but I, but I, I think that's, that's also part of it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It's really interesting. It seems like it'd be hard to break out of Australia too. Like it's just so far away oh, yeah. it seems like from everything yeah. else. Like you either yeah. make it or you don't. Like you, you have to fight for it. No one just gets it yeah. handed to them yeah. from there. Oh, for anything. That's, yeah, that's it. It's it's um it's man the distance. There's there's nothing easy about about breaking out of Australia. Yeah. Like in general, it's like it's become easier as it's gone, but it's still a challenge. Like just just to be a touring band outside of our country, like you're looking simply airfares alone of just laying down like ten thousand dollars straight up just to get your band <laughs> to to another market. Like that's it, just straight up there you go ten grand, mm-hmm. boom, immediately. Like that's. And that's not an easy thing to do. And it's not an easy place to build up a, a, a base in terms of something substantial to, to fall back on or to generate an income in Australia because our population's way smaller. Mm-hmm. So you come with like a, a massive place that's on the other side of the planet from where a lot of things are going on. But at the same point in time, like the scene itself here is is quite small in regards to everywhere else yeah, on the planet. It's It's a really interesting one. And then... I guess that's why like it ties back in with what I said about quality. Like none of the bands that do things in Australia do it out of a sense of like, maybe we're going to make this a career and it's going to be a big thing. Like no one does that with it, with that in mind, they literally go, I want to make some music because it's what is fun to me. And then everything else flows on from that. Yeah, dude. And you have, uh, I hear about all the time, but you, if you like an American band comes to Australia, they have to have an Australian opener or something like that. Is that a (laughs) real thing? No, no, it's okay. not a real thing. I heard it it's completely just, wrong. No, 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 that's all right. It's just, it's like, they don't have to, but we've definitely like tried to instill uh, 
a sense of um, trying to lift up and push forward what we have here. And that goes for like a lot of the, I'm going to say most of the Australian bands and Australian music scene in general, like especially like heavy music, because there was a, there was a time when um, there was always a lot of idolization of international acts, especially American acts. But when, when this scene was, it's, it's, it's very hard to explain, but when we actually started as a band, like we've been doing it for 20 years now, but when we started as a band, the biggest show that we had ever seen in our country was like 300 people. Like that was, that was literally, that was where it's at. And it's grown to something where we just had not fest and it was 30,000 people three yeah. nights in a row, which is insane amount of growth. But, but back then it was, it was very small and there was a lot of looking overseas for something that was seen to be uh, worthy, seen to be something as like, that's the goal to achieve. Like what they're doing over there, what those bands are doing is worth more than what we're doing at home. And it took a very long time for even the music industry itself to start acknowledging what we had in our country as being quality. So the idea of whenever an, an international band would tour Australia, every band from this country would try and push for there being a local opener of some kind. So they get the chance to go on stage and prove themselves with, with someone that is already in the audience's mind seen as a quality band. Mm -hmm. um, so that's like, we've always, we've always had uh, an Australian opener on every single one of our tours, no matter who we bring out to support, no matter who we have supported in our country, we've always been like, Australian bands need to be on this. This is the only way this thing grows because we need to prove to people like, that what we have here is awesome in its own right. It doesn't have to be an impersonation of something else. Yeah, dude, that's awesome because that's also hard is going on stage with the band yeah. that's established and opening for them. Yeah, dude. Everything yeah. is hard in Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's trial by fire, man. But that's but that's how it works. And that's yeah. and that's how like and that's how you grow. That's the thing. There's no there is nothing to be handed to you. Like there's nothing in this country to be handed to you. You work your ass off for every single thing you get. <laughs> dude, that is that is when you're when you're when you're saying this about you know uh, building like figuring out that what you have at home is good, and believing mm. in that yourself, are you a fan of like the the like the hardcore punk scene like the Discord Records days and Minor Threat Fugazi those yeah. bands, yeah, that's what happened with Discord Records is like yeah. Ian McKay's like we have something going on in D.C. here we need to document this, and just put out D.C. bands Washington yeah. D.C. like local. Always, just this is yep. what's happening. You're in L. Who cares? You're here. Who cares? Oh. Boom. That's exactly the same kind of thing that's happening down there. Like it, it, yeah. figuring out, hey, this is something of value. This is great, yeah, that's it. and that's believing it, yeah. in it, and then everyone else will. That's yeah, so badass. Yeah. yeah, it's been a really interesting thing to see. It's been amazing to be a part of because, like, no one could have predicted how big this entire thing would have become like the, the band Parkway drive and the scene that is now here in Australia is so much further than anything we could have anticipated, but it does it like it's testament to all of that and, and people really sticking with it and acknowledging it and, and choosing to, I guess, continue with the work ethic. That's the thing. Like it's, there's a really strong work ethic in this country behind it. And that's, I mean, that's kind of at the core of all of this, which has been really neat. And everyone that's been like, there's a lot of bands uh, out now that are like, I'm going to say second, second generation of bands or third generation of bands um, 
that like their first shows were a Parkway show. Um, yeah. and they were too, like, they, they're like, I can remember when this scene literally existed in halls and in like youth clubs and stuff like that, because that was the only place that like, you couldn't play a nightclub or an arena or anything like that. It just didn't exist. Mm -hmm. But uh, so many people in this country have the memories of like the first gig they ever went to the first hardcore punk show they ever went to being in an extremely DIY environment, mm -hmm. extremely DIY. And if that's what you're coming from, then you're going to have ownership over it. Like the ownership is ingrained into your perception of what this music actually stands for, which is key to all of this. Yeah, dude, absolutely. It was, it, I grew up in Alaska, so America, but oh, away man. from America, right? Like not yeah, continental yeah. United States. And my first punk show that I ever saw was on the flat about a flatbed trailer of a truck in front of a Walmart. Like yeah, that's dude. where it happened. And then a yeah. railroad depot and then oh, a rec man. center. And then, and then we would start throwing shows and we would start building our own stuff, you know, fighting yeah. to get a skate park built. Like yeah. we fought tooth and nail for everything we had, especially yeah. even just, and everything was like, like a year or two behind the rest of the U S the fashion, the music, the everything, even though we're like a phone call away, uh, a yeah. three hour flight, which is, you know, uh, nothing. Yeah. Years behind years yeah. behind. And, and to tour, you have to come down to the continental United States, just like Australia. You're flying yeah. everywhere, everywhere. So far yeah. away, you can't tour it without a plane. So we would move to Portland, Oregon, where I am now. Yeah. That's where we moved to. So we could tour and it worked. But like we yeah. had to fight for everything to that point and yeah. you just appreciate it more. And it, it just is a part of you. And I love that you, you speak about it that way because it's it, I a hundred percent agree because I've lived it too. And uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy to see what someone is capable of doing when they're put against the wall and say, do it or not, like figure yeah, it out yeah. or don't. And they'll, they'll always succeed. A hundred percent. And, and the, the thing with it as well is like, it sets you up for, for later down the line in terms of if this does become something which you want to continue pursuing, like you have to, it, it forces you to get skills. It forces you to like basically skill up in an industry because of survival, like because you don't have enough money to survive. So you figure out how to do shit so you don't have to pay other people to do it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You yeah. find out what you're made of. And like the first time I went to with Portugal, the man to Europe, I had 35 bucks in my pocket, $35. And we went for a month and a half. And I was yep. like, okay, we're either going to survive or we're not. And we totally yeah. did, but it was sketchy yeah. and weird and <laughs> terrifying, <laughs> but literally $35. And I came back with probably $80 maybe yeah. after the month yeah. and a half, yeah. but I was fed and I had a blast. Um, oh, dude. It's not yeah. that way anymore I for them, but this was early on. And, and you find out who you're made of, like, or what you're oh, made of. Yeah. Dude, I remember that. Like, I, like the first time we were ever in um, America, we had like seven or eight shows lined up, and then nothing after that. And we ran out of money in Pennsylvania somewhere, and we were sleeping on the side of the road at that point in time. Like, we were, we just had sleeping bags, and we just like find somewhere the cops wouldn't like basically think we were trying to steal something, and we'd sleep under the van or in a field. And I, I had, I think it was five dollars to my name, and there was we went into a supermarket and there were sandwiches for five dollars or there was 30 cobs of like green unripe raw corn for five bucks and i was like 
the corn will feed me for a couple of days, but I'm going to get one meal out of that sandwich. So like I, I bought this big like sack of corn and just ate like uncooked corn for, for five days <laughs> I, until, we, until we had another gig and I could sell a couple of t-shirts and we could like, I could feed myself again. But yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's, that... <laughs> I, you're bringing up so many memories with me right now with this. Yeah. Like, they they would plug in rice cookers at at gas station like unplug oh, vending machines yeah. and plug in a rice cooker and cook white rice and just oh, eat it. Dude, that's genius! I never even dude, thought of that. Absolutely oh. genius. Mind you, I've, I've been cooking. I used to cook ramen in the in a, an electric kettle. That was yeah. My, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah my, my daughter my does that now. Like, and, and I just look at it. I'm like. You're gonna survive. Yeah. You're gonna be just yeah, fine. Yeah, you're gonna survive. I know what I know what that'll get you. Yeah. yeah. Cold soup out of a can. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We would always do like we would do. Um, uh, we called it family dinner, and all the bands we were on tour with back in the van days, like we would all stop by like a dollar store and buy different stuff, and then all bring it in at someone's house we're staying at. Uh, we yeah. say, you know, hey, uh, free T-shirt. Someone lets us stay at your house. We go to their house and then we bring in someone bring in mac and cheese, someone bring in chili or whatever, and we mix it together and make family dinner. And it was a super good bonding experience. Yeah, that's awesome. Not great when you're touring around trying to find bathrooms places because it was always just mess your <laughs> stomach up. But it felt so good to have that camaraderie yeah. on yeah, the road. Because yeah. you're yeah. all suffering together and you get Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how how old are you now, if you don't mind me asking. I'm 40, turning 41 this year. Dude, me too. I'm turning 41 in May. I don't know how you do it still. I don't think I could do it at this point in my life. But to do that kind of like touring that much at at 40 just seems insane. Oh, we don't do it that hard anymore. That's no, but you're still you're still going at it. Like I don't even like you know leaving the the city for um not the city, but not being in my own bed for a few nights is always weird. Um, but I've been out of the game too long. So yeah. Um, I mean, this is all, this is all I know to a degree. Like I've been doing this for more of my like life that I can remember than I haven't. Like, if I'm 40 and I've been doing it for 20 years, like, yeah, I've spent more time doing this than I've spent in school. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's an interesting one because it is like, it, it doesn't get easier, but I mean, the thing that's, that's, it would probably be a very different scenario if the band hadn't continued this pattern of growth because honestly like it's it's been constantly um engaging and inspiring and exciting to be able to do what we do like it's it's not something where we've like we're out of the we're out of the grind part of being in a band to the point where like yeah we are playing arenas like worldwide which is insane like i could never have even dreamed that that would happen but what comes with that has been uh, situation where touring is more comfortable into the sense of like, yeah, we're on a bus. We have a bed to sleep in. Mm-hmm. Are you going to get fed? You know, you're not going to get run over because you're sleeping under your trailer anymore, which is that's, that's all awesome. The like, it's still work and you're still away from your family and you're still like on stage these days with machinery spinning around, screaming your guts up and while fire goes off around you, which is like <laughs> part, part adrenaline, part terrifying every single night. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's an awesome thing to be able to, um, to remember the journey from like 30 kids to 10,000 people in an arena and a show that you've 
designed. Like, it's not like we've ever checked out on this. Like we've taken the DIY ethics of what we've had and grown it to a point where we're now in an arena and we're like, all right, what are we going to do? It's not like we're like, here's $3 million go design us a show that we can just stand up there and look like rock stars. Like for us, it's like basically, yo, here's the biggest sandpit, build whatever you want to make, like to play your music and to present to this audience that's going to come up. And that is really fun. Like that is really, really fun to like, to be able to be in that and have evolved. Like I'm just going, I like music to, I like creating this world and this world is this large now. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I can't th- th- just saying that too. We now play arenas worldwide. Like just saying that phrase and having it be true is is incredible. Yeah. But uh, mm. how does that take me? So you mentioned something like this is this is kind of all you've known, all you've done. Like you know, not all you've done, but that's the wrong way to put it. No, all you've all known. <laughs> how does that make you feel at forty years old? Does that does it worry you that you didn't do something else? Does it worry you that, you know, in 20 years when maybe you can't do it anymore, like retirement or uh, like the future, like, how does it make, do you have kids? No, no, no kids. Okay. But yeah, how to, at 40, how does that make you feel that this is all you've done? Um, it, it was very, it was quite scary for a while. Um, until we took ownership of it, to be honest, like it got scary around year 10 because like when we we're turning 30, that was when you're like, okay, we've been out of like, this has been our job and our career for a while now. At what point is this going to be sustainable in terms of like you being out of the workforce and not committing your life to anything other than this and having no skills that if this all falls apart, what are you going to fall back on? Like, how are you going to, how are you going to set the rest of your life up back at square one? Um, and basically 10 years ago, we were kind of just like, no, we got to acknowledge the fact that this is going somewhere. Let's just go all in on the entire thing. Mm -hmm. And as, as lucky as it is, there's a lot of hard work that's gone into it to the point where like, I, I work towards being able to sustain this. It's going to take something very major to stop this band from continuing. Like the, the biggest thing that we ever said was like, if we don't enjoy it, we're not going to do it. Just very simple, but I haven't come even close to that other than like just personal stuff. Like the idea of continuing doing this is something that continues to inspire. So basically I just make sure everything else around my, my being like physically and mentally is, is in a space that it's, it's safe. Like I'm fit enough to continue doing this. My voice is going to hold out because I train myself. I know what to do. I know that we can put on the next show because I've done my research and that goes for everyone else in the band. Like we just make sure all of those things are in place. So the anxiety of the future is less, uh, it has less of a chance to like sneak in kind of thing. Like we have a, we have like a essentially have a five-year plan constantly Mm -hmm. that changes slightly. But when you have something like that in mind, you're like, well, at least I know what's coming up. Yeah, And I know I can actually see myself being there in five years time, realistically knowing that it's going to take like a monumental event like COVID to stop you doing it. <laughs> hey now. <laughs> Dude, COVID was kind of the first time where I was like, shit, I think it's done. I think, we're, I think it's done. Like I never saw this one coming, but, but even then it was like, oh, well, if I'm going to have to uh, be post-apocalyptic after this, then I'll, I'll deal with it. But that's, but that's cool. Other than that, I'm just like, I, I don't have the space for fear in my brain in terms of what 
because because there's been so much around this band that succeeded that I'm like, it's been like we steamrolled for you quite some time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. I'm I've, I'm curious on this too, and and this is also coming from Alaska. Like having grit and tenacity will keep you going. It'll keep you fed. It'll keep you fighting. But with it comes a lot of um, trauma and and masking a lot of things because you're so busy working and so busy pushing that you yeah. don't take the time during those formative years for self-care and and reflection because you're going forward so hard. Yeah. Have you had backlash from that in your own life? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> mentally, um, as a band, as a group, like. Oh, yeah. You, we you literally have, just. Okay yeah man we've gone to counseling and therapy like as a band or, as a band yeah like we almost broke up at like the start of this year when was it last year fuck i can't even remember but like basically we got done making the last record uh -huh. and we're at the point of imploding because of like that was basically like everything you said nail on the head and then making that last record during COVID was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm -hmm. And we all sat down and we're like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this, but I just don't want to do it like this. So what the hell is wrong? And mm -hmm. we basically figured it, figured out we had to, like, if we wanted to do this, if we wanted to continue as a band, we had to like confront where we actually were and do it together. And that's what we, we did. Like we've gone to counseling. We had to, go through 20 years of trauma, like go, go back through it and actually talk yeah. about how it affected us. See where like, it, you're, you're so right because it, it like survival mode doesn't give you a chance to, to even acknowledge weakness or vulnerability or um, an impact that something's having because it's all moving so quickly. And when you're in that frame of mind, you're just on to the next thing and you're like, well, I'll just deal with it later. Mm -hmm. uh, you can only deal with so much. You can only like defer so much. Yeah. And eventually it just all, it just all bubbled to the surface in for everyone in very similar ways, but in very different circumstances. So we took a long time to, to go through that process and learn, basically catch up on life, learn how to be friends, learn how to actually communicate with each other, learn what, what we've actually been going through. Like when, when we sat down, it's literally like, Hey, what is this 20 years of being on the road doing this thing, which we all know has been incredibly fun, but incredibly stressful and has taken sacrifice from every, every single person. Like what's that actually meant to you? What toll has it taken? We never even asked ourselves that. And like, that's a really deep um, question because it, it's validating someone else's experience. So yeah, yeah it's, we've had massive things with that. And luckily it was like, it was reconnecting these wires that had become strained and broken and fractured over the, over the years. And we've come out in a much better place, which is so, so nice. Like I feel as though we're, we're more connected as friends and as a band now than we've ever been. Mm -hmm. Like even when we started the band, which is, which is really, really cool, but it does, it does take a massive toll and it's very hard to, it's very hard to explain that to anyone who hasn't been in the situation. Mm -hmm. It's just very, it's very difficult. Like we've always, we've all said it. And every person that I talk to within a band, the tours, especially, um, 
has expressed it to me. It's just like, you can't like, no one can relate to what you do. You can't compare it to anything else and you can't, you've got nowhere to turn to even it's a very isolating feeling knowing that even your, your family will never actually understand. will never actually understand what it takes to do, to do this. Um, and as awesome as fans are and people who admire your work and stuff, they still will only understand a fraction of it, a very, a very small fraction. And, and, it's a really juxtaposing kind of thing because you're like, you're standing on stage to people who are just like, I fucking love what you put out. I love you mean so much to me, but also knowing that they truly can never understand what it took to do that is a, mm-hmm. is a hard thing to like to bring together to form, to, to form like, I guess something, an equation that fully makes you whole. Yeah. They, they only see you an hour out of your day. Yeah. That's it. That's all they know of you is the hour of your day where you're doing what they know. That's they it, don't yeah. know you. They think they do, you know, yeah. like, I don't know you. We never met before this. I, yeah. I don't, I don't know you from, from, from anyone except for what you do. Right. Like I would not know anything about you other than what you do, which when I got that email from Tim, like, yes, I'd absolutely <laughs> talk to Winston. Like uh, <laughs> instead of, you know, Hey, there's this guy, Winston from Australia. You want to talk to him? Who's that? You know what I mean? Like, I know who you are because of what you do. So I'm just like them. Like, I I know just that. So that's what I love about doing this is is getting to know people on a different level. But when someone knows you for that hour of the day, and that's the one, the weird thing is that's the hour of the day you're living for. Your whole day is like killing time until that hour. It's such a weird, weird thing. Because no other profession, even sports, like those games last longer than an hour, hour and a half. So, and they're training for it and they're flying out and doing this thing. But when you're like a musician, especially nowadays, like a a headlining sets an hour and a half, like that's all they get of you. And then the rest is just speculation. I wonder what they're doing right now. Oh, they're in town. They're probably doing this. Probably not. They're probably just doing the exact opposite. They're probably asleep in their bunk. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or when you're asleep in your bed tonight, they're rocking back and forth like this down the road, trying to sleep, you know, in this little coffin they're sleeping in. Um, It's that grass is always greener kind of thing. Oh, man, I wish I was on stage doing that. That's all I want to do. And then the guy on stage in your face screaming is, God, I wish I was sleeping in my own bed tonight. Like, you're going to go home, sleep in your own bed, but you're here for me. I'm going to go sleep in this bus or this shitty hotel. Yeah. It's just never, yeah. never uh, what anyone believes it is. And I'm, I'm yeah, glad you said so many great things there about uh, with the, with the group therapy stuff. Like, did you guys find someone that was in a band involved in the therapy or was it just a, a therapist that specializes in group settings? Like, cause it was just they won't understand either. Yeah. Yeah. To a degree, like he's done, he, Sean, our therapist has done a band in our local area in terms of like down at the pub, I think, or jammed with some mates, but that's it. Like his, his thing was just like, he has his profession and he was recommended to us by someone. And Luke, our manager um, was like, this guy seems like he's got a good vibe. And he just happened to be the exact person we needed to help, like help the dynamic. He was like that, that missing ingredient. And it's, it's interesting because there was, there were so many times where we thought we're like, we can handle this. We always handle everything ourselves. Let's just get down and talk about it. But it doesn't work like that. 
It just doesn't work like that. You need like, you need that extra dynamic in there to like, to help steer you and help, help connect those bits where you just don't know how to make a connection. Mm -hmm. And he was, he's been instrumental with it and explaining to us like why we are the way we are and just in human nature and how like that, that we're not unique in what we're going through as well. Like it's not, just like, Oh, you're in a band. Like everything, everything is completely unique to you. Like, no, you essentially, you're just five people who are trying to reconnect and obviously care about each other, but like smashing your head against walls because of ego and Mm -hmm. like defensiveness and a lack of vulnerability because of everything you've gone through in your life and the way you're brought up and all of this kind of stuff. And until you have that explained to you as well, it's very hard to drop your, drop your guard and actually go, okay, I like, I am genuinely willing to listen to you. And I'm also willing to take account of myself. And that's a, I mean, it's a, it's a hard thing to do. You like, because you feel vulnerable. Like as soon as someone drops their, drops your guard, you're like, holy shit, someone can hurt me right now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's what trust is though. Like oh, oh, putting your faith in someone else. Like you have the ability to hurt me not right now. I'm giving you my faith that you're just going to show me care. <laughs> and that's, um, and I'll do the the reciprocal and that way we can both like grow closer. So it's, yeah. it's weird to say those things too, and not sound patronizing or condescending yeah. to say, 100%. you know, I accept what you just said, you know, um, or I'm, I'm open to like, it sounds like you're reading from a textbook, but it's in yeah. a textbook for a reason. And exactly. it's, you take five or six different guys from five or six different, same town, maybe five or six different upbringings, parental situations, whatever, put them into the same situation together for 20 years. It's amazing how long, how much of 20 years can go by and you never actually communicate with each other. Yeah. You're in the same experience. You're in the same vehicle. You're in the same plane. You're on the same stage, but also the vulnerability part that you don't think about. If you take what you guys do and say, you turn the amps off, take the microphones away, leave the people in the audience, take the lights away and just go do exactly what you're doing. Dance around on stage, run around screaming. It's super vulnerable. Yeah. But when you add amplification to that and fire and things like that, it becomes a spectacle, but the act of what you're actually doing is extremely vulnerable. Yeah. And it's just masked even for you because of everything going, like you said, there's fire going off. There's things swinging at your face. There's people like just like chanting at you. It's the same thing. It's like pushing through that childhood, pushing through that, that grit that Mm. you don't have the time to stop and think like, I just bore my soul on stage for the last hour and a half. Yeah. It's more boiled down to, Hey, that was a great show or that show sucked or, or I missed this part or whatever. You literally just shot all of your, your, all of your, your emotions out to people and don't even realize it some of the time. Yeah. I think the, yeah. I think the, the, the interesting thing as well is everyone has every, like within the band, especially everyone had not even ever talked to each other about what it means to be on stage because for like everyone has a different, it's really interesting. We're, we're five very different people, but very much connected. Like it is like, we are like a family. Mm-hmm. But being on stage definitely mean like even down to the creation of the sound, we never actually talked about what it even means to each other to be in the band and our own different roles in the communal 
creative process, like what you're actually giving when you contribute to the artwork, because we all acknowledge that like the, the end result of the art, just in the pure music sense is never completely coming from one person. And, and it always is when it finally comes out, it's always an elevation of three different concepts, which have kind of somehow ended up in the same place. And we all kind of fill in the blanks for the other person. They couldn't quite conceive of how that extra color needed to be added to the palette until that person's skill came in and added the color. Mm -hmm. Um, But we never really talked about what it means to create your own thing. And we never actually really understood what drives each person's skill. And when you, when you think about that, and then you add that to the performance factor as well, it means that we never really, other than the good show part, we never really understood what each person was actually giving at that moment, because there is something about this band where we, I think we are aware. Well, I know we are aware that the, that bearing of soul factor is very evident in what we do. Like it's, it's part, it's never something where like there's performance to it, but you strip everything away and it would still be exactly the same. And we deliver it exactly the same. Mm -hmm. The other, the other thing we try and add to it is to amplify the emotion that's already there. And although it's spectacle, it's always been designed to be spectacle to provide different contexts and different background and different scenario for basically the, the emotion and the soundtrack that you're creating. Um, but we never actually, yeah, talked about, uh, talked to each other about what that is <laughs> in an individual sense. Like this is it's so like, this is so deep and strange, but at the end of the day, like it, it really, that's where like we, we create this to be on stage. Like we all live through that hour, hour and a half, two hours, whatever it is. Like yeah. that is the pinnacle of creation for us. And to boil it down to just like good show is um, it, it did do us an injustice in the sense of even getting our own self-worth out of it. Like, Mm -hmm. and I don't think anyone, we were always scared to even say good show. We would pick apart the the faults and how we could do it better because we just wanted to keep going forward rather than going, man, that moment, like where where we were able to do this part, and you could feel the audience lift and you could feel the emotion connect and you could feel them like willing you along when that guitar line or anything like that, or the, the adrenaline rising with the drums or something like that. Like it would all get boiled down to just like either, yeah, it was a pretty good one or oh, I heard someone fuck up in that bit. And you'd be like, well, the whole thing's kind of lost a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and it never was truly lost, but it was just, it wasn't given the, the, the power that was actually designed for in the first place. And so, yeah. It's also weird to have what's going on guys. This is Dewey from peer pleasure. And I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks and they're going to be with us for a while. And I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, They have an awesome thing they're doing right now called splits. Now, if you're working as most people are online doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track 
You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, Synced Lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, Tier 2 and Tier 3. Tier 1 is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier 2 gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier 3 is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the Passcast. The Passcast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. 
because I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. Your identity, uh, not, I guess maybe not your identity, but your, the way you, emote the way you have have developed this into a way to communicate with the world is somewhat dependent on some other people to also be there to make it happen and you still yeah. can't communicate together you still yeah, can't right. get on that level uh like the basic human level of communication with someone whose entire breathing existence is there to help you and them be who they are it's so yeah. strange yeah band life is so strange and (laughs) it's a fucking mess man it's a mess and there's so many broken people and and it's awful and beautiful at the same time like speaking of randy like like lamb of god like do you know randy yeah okay to to a degree like in the sense of i've talked to him in passing and he's been a really nice guy and i'm very excited to tour with him so yeah he's a wonderful human being you're gonna love it but uh, yeah. I told him the same thing. Like, imagine you're taking photos in like um, uh, Grand Central Station or something in in New York City, and you hop up on the balcony and you say, "All right, motherfuckers, I want you to open this place." Like, do what he does. Out of context, he'd be arrested. <laughs> you'd be a fucking psychopath. Yeah. You'd be the guy everyone's staring at on the street that's yelling at himself. Uh, but then you put it in the right context. And it's life changing for so many people, including Randy, and yeah. that kind of thing. The the like the place and time. There's so many things that need to happen for this lifestyle to continue to be what it needs to be. Um, it's just it, there's you have so little control as an individual, yeah. and I think that's yep. a big part of it too. Is um, you just don't have the control that most people have of their situation. Um, yeah. and you just have to recognize that. And I'm so stoked, uh, that you, I've been talking about this group therapy stuff because it needs to happen more. Oh, dude, hundred percent, hundred percent. Like it's, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy that, that it hasn't been acknowledged more, but in the sense of just, it hasn't been facilitated, Yeah. <laughs> but, but to be, to be honest, like, it's, it's such a strange industry in terms of how it actually operates the massive seismic shifts that have undergone, like that have happened within the music industry in terms of technology. Like the, the fact that it's such a lucrative industry at the same time as something that's had Titanic movements in the way that the power and the money flows to different people mm-hmm. um, and is so glamorized as well. Like it's that it's very, it like it's very easy to not see it as an art form or, so, or as something that's done by a basic human being. The fact that like the term rock star in itself is like is something that has, has been born from the music industry mm-hmm. and it's comparing someone to a star, <laughs> the yeah. center of our like of our existence, yeah. which is so fucking huge that to to be able to 
conceive as that individual that is a rock star as just an ordinary human that was born the same way everyone else and has gone through the same stuff but is now in this environment where they're considered equal to a god mm-hmm. is, is nuts to think that yeah that's that's not going to have any effect on that person there's yeah. no guardrails on that but I, essentially the way of dealing with it previously was just like drugs and alcohol because mm-hmm. this situation is as insane as it actually sounds so like just numb it numb it or take yourself out of the experience to even be able to conceive of of like how people are seeing you and are going to treat you from this moment on and it's not that like that's not healthy it's just not no. it's not sustained so yeah it's it's very very um i think we're at least in a generation now where mental health is being taken seriously mm-hmm. um and when we went through all of this we we had a, a team I, I don't know if you've seen the the little documentary that came out over here but we have there was actually we had an, a team from abc australia um come and document the process with us of what really? we were going through and we were really really open with it because at that time we were all like in a really bad place and then they just happened to hit us up um and our thought was like you know what mental health is such a massive issue worldwide in our country especially with um with young men like we've all lost friends to suicide because of it um Mm -hmm. we can help shine a light on this and show that everyone goes through this shit and there is a way through then at least something positive might be able to come from this no matter what happens within the band whether whether or not we are able to fix this or not let's at least put something out there that helps provide some kind of inspiration or a roadmap or something to help people. So that's, that was kind of us trying to make that step, like be a stepping stone to a better, to a better place within our society. Um, because everyone goes through this stuff, like everyone, everyone, it's not just a, it's not something that's reserved for just musicians. Like we've got, we've obviously got something which is, I'm sure 90% of the paths within the music industry head towards mental health issues. Mm-hmm. If you don't, if you don't deal with them, it just will like it just will. And that needs to be addressed and changed and support needs to be provided. But life is not easy. And I think everyone should be aware of the fact that working on your, your mind and your consciousness is just as valid as going to the gym and making sure your your the vessel that carries your mind around can, can stand up to life's punishment. Absolutely. That's what something you were mentioning earlier, like being fit enough, to keep yeah. doing this another 10, 15 years or 20 years, whatever it is, yeah, the man. second 20, right? Like yeah. um, having that, that mental, uh, I mean, mental health, the word health itself, you know, yeah. is what needs to be used because it's, that's what health. it's about. It's, it's yeah. mind and body together is, is what's that's needed. It. And uh, it. I started another uh, podcast with a, a, a mutual friend of ours, Christina Rowett um, from, uh, She's like the YouTube channel, the Void with Christina and uh, the oh, yeah, Revolver yeah. Fan First podcast. Uh, we started a podcast together, just focusing on mental health. She said to tell you hello, by the way. Um, yeah, and uh, that's what we've been doing is just talking to people about that specifically because this show always tends to go that route. But yeah, the other one's just like <laughs> that's the focus. Like it's not anything yeah. else, uh, and it's been interesting, like div- diving into that on just that level because mm. there's so many different stories in music 
um, of how people came to be, what they went through and things like that. And, and, uh, is that, that documentary you're talking about, is that like on YouTube and stuff? It should be, I think it'll be on ABC Australia's YouTube or something. I'm pretty sure everyone can access it. Okay. Um, I want to check that out. It's an Australian story. It's, it's pretty nuts that they chose to do it. Like there's, it's, it's, considered to be like that segment of journalism, like mm-hmm. one of the highest forms of journalism in our country. Like they do it once a week, just on an iconic Australian story of some kind. And the mm-hmm. fact that they did it last, we were like, holy shit. We, like that really was like one of the, we are now in the mainstream consciousness of Australia. And the fact that we yeah. got to use it in that platform as well was, um, was really, really great. And it actually, it, it, from everything we've been able to gauge since it came out, it had the exact effect of what we wanted yeah. in terms of people literally saying, I, I, I never thought I would had the strength to be able to go and do this. And thank you for like giving me the inspiration to deal with my own stuff. I need to like, yeah, this has provided a pathway for me or this has given me a, a, a reference to be able to take in as a teacher to high school and show my, my kids that I teach like, this is something that which everyone goes through, which you, you like, you don't have to feel bad about. You don't have to feel a stigma attached to mental health, which is a massive thing. Absolutely. And you, and, and what you're doing on stage, I mean, you're, it's like that teach a man how to fish, feed him for a lifetime, give a man a fish, feed him for a day. I, I view touring and like the, the live event, you know, getting them through the day, but what you're doing outside of that with the mental health, focus yes feeding them for a lifetime like you're taking that inspiration that hits somebody at a live show like they're having the worst day or they're having the worst time they go to a show you know you saved my life you 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 know for that day but when you're doing something utilizing that that status or that that platform to teach someone something it's so much more meaningful on the long-term scale Oh, 100%, you know what I mean? 100%, You're taking yeah. 10,000 people and elevating them for a day, a week, you know, like getting them through. But when you put it to somebody in the other way, it's so much more valuable. And and you're just building that more, that much bigger of a, of a base of people that, yeah. that respect what you're doing and respect you. And, and um, it's such a cool thing to be able oh, to do yeah, that. Like, uh, it's just being able to like, being able to give I mean, use it, like use the platform that we have for something positive. Yeah, that's exactly. Like and that's literally it. Like it's, and, and it is being able to ta- like, for, to take a, a, tr- a troubling situation and, and, and yeah, realizing that there's opportunity in the sense of, all right, the opportunity right now is to help. Like if we're helping ourselves right now, then let's take the opportunity to help everyone else as well. Mm-hmm. Because I, I guess that's, that all, that also comes from, us knowing what people have given to us. Like I see, I see, I see the signs in the audience of like your music saved my life and stuff. And I'm like, that's awesome. But you do realize that you're paying to put food on my table by even coming to this gig. Mm -hmm. I don't think you realize how much you've given to us. So when we're given the opportunity, like presented an opportunity to do something like that, it is, I mean, it's something that we would like to, I'd love it to be about more than just the rock and roll gig. That's the thing. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> utilizing the rest of the day. Yeah. That, that's exactly. 23 hours. Exactly. Utilizing yeah. it for something other than, okay, I'm going to go to the gym and work out by myself, or I'm going to yeah. go for a run by myself, or I'm going to take a nap, of course, yeah. by myself. 
Uh, <laughs> I, it, it's not the 80s anymore. But um, yeah. uh, <laughs> but utilizing that other 23 hours of the day for something positive. You know what I think would be cool? And and I, I don't think I've seen a band do this yet. I've seen bands do you know, funny things with backdrops, like no effects does the little tiny backdrop. That's like, you know, four feet wide, uh, but on a massive stage or the Portugal guys put up something funny or we're meeting at this bar in 20 minutes and they actually go there, yeah. like stuff like that. Yeah. But I think if a band did like a changing backdrop, like a digital backdrop of like cliche is the wrong word, but it is kind of cliche, like science people hold up your, your music saved my life. Uh, you know, all these f things that people write on signs, but reverse that and write it from the yeah. band's point of view. You kept yeah. me alive or you're keeping me alive or, or you, and have those change as like a tribute to the fans. I think that would be badass. Yeah. That's uh, actually kind of genius. Yeah. <laughs> Trademark. Yeah. Uh, Parkway drive can have it. Um, yeah, but I think that would be awesome. I've never seen someone do that, but as we're talking, I'm thinking of, you know, as you say, well, it's kind of your idea because, you know, you see that sign, you're like, wait a minute, you're paying to keep food on my table. It's the reflection of what's mm. coming at you. Yeah, you know, man. I think that yeah. would be awesome to do. Um, anyway. Oh, if if you see us do that down the line, know that you contributed something really cool. I think it would be awesome. I think people would freak out. With, all of, with any kind of idea and stuff like that, and it like just gets plucked into my brain and stored yep. so and you guys have control of what you're doing so yeah yeah um and that's one thing i want to clarify too is is talking about like the spectacle of what you guys are doing parkway drive gigs dude like they're tastefully massive thank you I, it's not like <laughs> this you. grandiose yeah. like rah, like there's there's substance to it and meaning so i want to yeah. make sure i clarify that when i'm talking about the spectacle it's not there's you know uh crazy oh, thing to, it's a spectacle like, it's, but it's done yeah. with purpose you can tell you yeah. can tell thought went into it you can tell yeah. you can tell when a band's just phoning it in not phoning it in but when they just hire someone to do their production mm. you can tell you can tell you know there's no they're disconnected from it you yeah. know um and you can tell you guys put so much into it and i think that's what people pick up on because people can spot bullshit a mile away and of course <laughs> when you don't have that, you just gain this this so much more traction. Do you guys? Yeah, it's. I mean, that's the thing. It's like it's 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 the it's the it's the, it's been the expansion of the craft. Uh -huh. Like that's what it is. It's like the craft expanded from uh, playing music and it just being music to all of a sudden you're left with a fork in the road where it's like get someone else to come into the space that you create in and you create with them or you've got a giant space teach yourself how to use that space uh -huh. and create and, and, and expand like the creative process and that's what it's been like i can very specifically remember the first tour where we were like we have three amps and a drum kit and the stage is for a ten thousand cap room this does not look right <laughs> when you put it on the stage like it's just not going to look correct and also you could do something so much better which would make this show really hit in a different way so what are you going to do mm -hmm. and at that point in time we were like well let's have a couple of different backdrops which we pull off and let's have some inflatable beach balls and like 
pretend waves on stage because the the show is like the, it was on a it was on an oceanic record uh-huh. and it really represented where we came from and that's kind of where it started and it's just like all the all we we found a love for that and have built upon that like okay that works for that kind of sound this works for this kind of sound these are the moments which get highlighted when you use different effects and um and it's just got us to a point now where it's just part of who we are because you you really do like you rock up to a tour and you're like, here's what we wish to create. We we have the highs, the lows, the in-betweens, the transitions, the intros, the outros, like all of that kind of stuff. How are you going to create the journey that people are on? When does the journey start? When does it end? And everything comes into it. It's, it's theater and it's cinema. Yep. And it's musical theater. Time, yeah, yeah, man. That's, but at the same point in time, you, yeah, there's, there's parts of genuine fear and it sounds incredibly heavy a lot of the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like I said at the beginning, you can be Metallica and go on to Jimmy Kimmel with no backdrop and be a club Sit band down. still and still sound like a club band and people are fucking into it. Yeah, you, you, give, you give it both. Thing. You strip it away and you put like, you put one, put one person in front of us, you put zero people in front of us. We're still going to play. Hell yeah. Like, we're going to still play because we... Yeah, because it's fun, man. Yeah, <laughs> and we still know what the connection with that the song that we're playing is was in the first place, and it's still going to mean something. But it doesn't mean something. We stop playing it. Yeah, <laughs> dude. I I thought when you were when you were talking about the like you know three amps and a and a drum kit, I always thought that way about Rage Against the Machine because they always just had Tom's like just half stack, and you had yeah. Tim's Tim's uh, eight ten, yeah. and then the drum kit, and then Zach. Yeah. And that was it. And then some like, you know, stuff on the screen. But so it looked, they looked like the opening band until they started playing. But that music was so like bouncy and everything had so much groove that it worked for them. Not a lot of bands can pull that off. But oh, that's God, what dude, I picture when you say that. It's like this Pearl place Jam is huge. Like Pearl, Pearl Jam is another band that can do it. Yeah. There is, it takes a different kind of band. Mm-hmm. Like it just takes a different kind of band. And when we're, we're not that, we're not that. Well, we might be that band, but we wanted to do something different. That's the thing. Like we, yeah. our our desire went in a different direction. But I can definitely like, I I don't I don't want to see Rage with Pyro. No, that'd be <laughs> like, weird. That's like that. There's so much power in like the 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 simple pillars of that band, sonically and physically on stage. That like I don't I don't want to be taken anywhere else. I just want. I want the rage against the machine being spat in my face. Yeah. And that's all I want. That's all <laughs> I want. I just want that communal rage at that point. So yeah, <laughs> no, I get what you say, man. I get they're They're actually one of the references of, of like, of what it is, what it would be like to be able to just strip it back and fucking just do that. Cause uh-huh. like, yeah, that's power. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, uh, dude, this has been awesome. I, I, uh, I do have a question for you because you guys, you do pyro. Uh, mm. I have never been on stage with pyro. We never had that when I was with the band. So like I went to see Slayer's final tour and I was fourth row center and that shit burned my eyebrows and I was that uh-huh. far in front of it. What is it like actually being on stage with the pyro? Is it fucking ma- like terrifying and hot? Yeah and awful yeah. because it seems like awful. that no no so here's the here's the here's the best way i can break it down okay and please give an example it is so 
we've used it for a long time. And um, before, like in our rehearsals, we always do a, a pyro check. Occasionally we, we, we get too complacent and we're just like, let's just do the full run through. And then we get to like where we're using a lot of it because there are, there's a couple of points where, where we really build the show to by the end of the set, it literally looks like the entire stage is on fire. Uh-huh. Like you can't get away from just something being burning. Um, and there's a very small degree where it goes from being hot to you are terrified for your life. Uh-huh. Like, like it's, it's a fraction of a second of it being like, uncomfortable to oh my god i don't want to feel this i want to run the fuck out of the room and occasionally uh, in rehearsal we'll screw up and it will go too hot for that half a second and it is terrifying absolutely terrifying and then it take and then it takes us like a couple of run-throughs of testing it again to get the confidence back because there is a degree of um of calculation within it where it where it terrifies you and you don't want to step on stage and you feel like someone is about to die if if it goes like a fraction of a second wrong. Uh-huh. If you get it correct, you literally feel like Godzilla and you just want to like climb a mountain and punch God in the face. <laughs> 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 because, and that's what it is. <laughs> climb a it's mountain and punch God in the face. It's, Damn. it's, it's, like, it's, it's crazy. Like it, it can amplify the feeling that you have on stage to such a degree that you're just like, Oh, I can do anything. I am the bringer of pain. And it's like, and it's so sick because like, you also know, like but the reason we started doing it in the first place was because I, I like, we realized when we watched other people do it and when we use it for the first time, we're like, Whoa, when a heavy part hits and also the flames get hit at the same time, I can see the change in their reaction, like, and how much they feel it because you feel it in a different way. Yeah. So when that's, when that's going on, I'm like, Oh, everyone's feeling this shit right now. You can't escape the feeling of how heavy this section of music actually is because it looks and feels like the world is ending. <laughs> yeah. I'm able stand in the middle of it like like i'm the one bringing this about which is a um a really cool feeling it's pretty <laughs> awesome dude it's pretty awesome i i can only imagine the later in life uh ptsd therapy sessions for uh feeling like you're gonna yeah. die that many times from fire oh uh, yeah uh, uh, dude I've, I've done enough oh. man like the thing is i've done actual like i've done worse than so, so for a, for a music video, like uh, two records ago, I literally got set on fire because I'm like, we, we tend not to use stunt people. And whenever there's been a stunt to be done, I'll just be like, all right, never jumped out of a plane. Cool. I'll do that one. Never been kicked through a wall. All right. Show me how to do that. And uh-huh. there was, you're going to be on fire for this section. I was like, well, people are going to know it's a stunt double. So teach me how to get lit on, lit on fire. So we had a full stunt crew like Australia's best stunt crew taught me how to do it and did it on the music video. And the first time they put too much fuel on me. And, um, I was literally like the outtake of the music video is me in a, in a 10 foot high ball of fire. And, um, I had to drop after like four seconds, it was supposed to be a 30 second tape and I had to drop and they had to extinguish me because there was too hot and got like the back of my neck all burnt and everything. And it was like, it's just the risk of doing it, but it was the, that taught me the respect for flames basically, because I was like, holy shit, yeah. this is, um, 
when you're on fire, you can't, and you can't put it out. It's terrifying. So anytime that I feel it too hot, like safety is always the number one thing for us. We're yeah. just like, there's a switch which will take everything off. And like, everyone is getting doused in foam. <laughs> Dude. Okay. So there's two things that have been said here on this podcast that not many people can say. The one is, uh, we're playing arenas all around the world. The other is yeah. teach me how to get set on fire. <laughs> yeah. That you've actually been able to say to somebody else, teach me how to get set on fire. Here's what we need to do. South America, you and Lamb of God need to trade pyro shows. Yeah. And just, you don't know when it's happening first night and just see who survives. Yeah, see who survives. (laughs) Yeah. That'll be be the human torch. Oh, God. Yeah. It's neat. It's provided me with opportunities. And there's those things where you're like, well, when else in your life are you going to have the opportunity to do this? And I've always been just like, all right, let's just go for it. I'll deal with it like while it's happening I'll, and I'll, it'll just force me to focus and like figure out a new skill. Now I'm a stuntman. Awesome. Park, <laughs> Parkway drive with me in hell. That's you can call yeah. it. And it'll just be yeah. same, same time. You and I'll Randy both on stage. Just, just zombie <laughs> walk out on stage for them during that song. <laughs> stage dive is just a human torch. Oh <laughs> shit. Dude. Oh, Winston, this has been awesome, man. I, I love these conversations so much. I've done this 300 something times and I love it every time. And I, I, this has been awesome. Uh, That's a legacy. Dude, it's dude. It's I've, I've been so stoked for this uh, since Tim emailed me about it and was like, Hey, you know, tour's done. We can make this happen. It's like, perfect. Um, I've been really looking forward to this man. And, and thank you so much for, for just being awesome and, and being honest and, and truthful on things and, and transparent. And people really appreciate that stuff. And so do I. Um, Likewise. I feel like I learned a lot about you in this hour, dude. And um, thanks, man. Good Jeez, luck Jim. in South America. Um, and you guys are going, where are you going after that? I think we're home for a little bit and then we go back to the Europe and Europe, UK okay. for like festivals, which is going to be hectic. They're like the biggest gigs we've ever had. So that's going to be nuts. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Yeah, man. Dude. Yeah. Very excited. <laughs> Cheers to you, man. You guys deserve every bit of this. And, and, uh, uh, just thank you for for the great music and and being such an awesome guest man i really appreciate it. i hope to meet you in person someday and and have another conversation or do a part two whatever we want to do we can do whatever yeah, man, man. But hit me up always open to it always open to a good chat whether or not it's online or not fantastic awesome. right on Legend. brother well be well have enjoy the rest of your day we'll talk to you soon you too all right see you, mate. See ya. bye you. all right guys i hope you enjoyed that chat with winston mccall from parkway drive all the way down from australia catch them on tour they're going back out to south america with lamb of god uh the band has just been exploding for many years uh literally with pyrotechnics and uh stuff we talked about in this episode i just had no idea what it is like to be on stage with fire and and he had a very good way of describing it uh we had some good laughs i hope you guys did too i hope this got got you through something uh you know, either that you wanted to do or didn't want to do. I know a lot of people work night shift and awful jobs and listen to this show. And uh, I hope it pulled you out of something and and gave you some entertainment because that's what we do it for. Um, it's getting the getting what's inside outside and helping people um, get through their day, get through their night, get through something funny, get through something serious. Um, hopefully, we can be there for you for a long time to come. I really appreciate you guys coming back week after week. It means a lot. I really really love having you guys. Uh, the audience keeps growing, which is staggering and, and crazy. Um, but every week it gets bigger and, and uh, every step we take 
uh, we get further. And it sounds like an obvious thing to say, but step by step, it just has just grown. We're we're getting up that mountain and and uh, tackling a lot of issues, tackling a lot of um, traumas and a lot of uh, awful things and a lot of really really awesome things. Um, that's what I love is that we can do an episode like this and get real on things and then just laugh our asses off about other things. It's all in the span of an hour, hour and a half, two hours. You can go the full gamut of emotions. You really feel like you get to know somebody. And I hope you guys get the same thing that you really figure out who someone is on this show. Um, that's kind of not necessarily the goal, but it's kind of become a through line in this, this project is, is showing someone, uh, who someone is that maybe they aren't able to talk to or aren't able to um, get in touch with. So anyways, uh, a big late happy birthday to my buddy Anthony Green. A big late happy birthday to my buddy Zach from Portugal, the man. Uh, saw Anthony the other night at the Sounds of Animals Fighting Show uh, with Rich Balling and Matt Embry and Steve Choi. It was an awesome reunion. Um, yeah, it was a great time. And so uh, it's so awesome to be able to see friends like that all in one group together in four blocks from where I work, which is killer. So um, cheers to them. Cheers to you guys. Thanks to Winston McCall for coming on. Thanks to Tim for setting this up and keeping on it, making sure it gets scheduled. And thanks to all of you guys. I love each and every one of you very much. I'm going to get out of here, finish the weekend. And uh, as always, we'll see you on the radio. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.